Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. I'm Tom Hollingsworth, a part of Gestalt IT. We're bringing this podcast to you today where we talk to IT luminaries from across technology to debate and discuss and form an opinion about a specific premise. The premise for today's podcast is that 5G networking will eventually replace all of the networking inside of your office building. I'd like to take a few moments to introduce each one of the panelists before we get started today. Rob? Uh, Rob, uh, Rob underscore Coot on Twitter. Ryan Adzema, uh, at R Adzema on Twitter. I'm Kevin Blackburn, uh, at The Routing Table on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us today, guys. So let's talk a little bit about the premise for today's t- uh, podcast episode, which is that 5G networking is going to replace all the networking in a building. That's one of the things we've kind of seen um, coming out over the last couple of years. You know, when we're running these new buildings, there is a significant amount of cost that goes into having Bixi certified installers run cables through the building. Are we even running the right cables anymore? 5E versus 6 versus 6A versus 7-ish, whatever we're on now. And it's a huge pain in the neck. But on the flip side, everybody has a wireless laptop and a wireless phone and wireless everything. So do we really think that the next generation of wireless, which is now being called 5G by Intel and a lot of others, is that going to provide everything that we need to just finally say sayonara to all the cables that are running through a building? Right? No? no? Why no. not? Uh, wireless is a finite resource. Um, if you need to add people to an area, if you have devices in an area that don't move, mm-hmm. uh, the argument to put them on wireless is a much harder one to make. Why? They're chewing up resources. Like I said, it's finite shared resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't scale out with capacity. Uh, performance goes down as you increase the capacity. Um, but there is something that does scale out really well with your users. That's switches. Okay, so, so your argument is, is that as you add more users to a specific wireless environment, whether it be a single access point or a group of access points, each additional user causes service degradation for everyone versus a switch where once I hit that 24th cable, I'm done because I can't put a 25th person on the switch. There's literally no place to put them. Right, but you can just pop in another switch and go to town. Okay, that's true, but what happens if I'm in a location where I can't really deliver a switch easily? Or what if I want to provide coverage or accessibility to an area that's very open, like a conference room or a training area or something like that? I mean, if I'm already going to have to put an access point in there anyway, why don't I just run one cable for the AP and be done? Well, now you're talking about supplementing a network. Okay. We, we do that now. When we can't get uh, cable to a difficult area, we run wireless because we have to. Um, wireless is not going to be the goal because, I mean, the protocols and everything aside, um, why do people want their devices on their networks? So that they can control them, so they can manage them, they can protect them, they can see what they're doing. Uh, If you're going through a carrier, you're not going to get that. On top of that, we have broadband carriers, fixed broadband carrier um, already throwing data caps on, saying we don't have network capacity. Mm-hmm. Now the wireless carriers suddenly have infinite capacity. Uh, I, I don't see it as a replacement, as a, a new deployment model. We're always going to have your wireless LAN and your LAN 
and that's where you're going to want your users most of the time. So we, we think about that from that perspective of kind of traditional IT where we have a bunch of things, like you said, that don't really move like printers or cameras or things like that. And, and cameras are kind of a nebulous argument because most of the time they're powered over the wireless or powered over the wire anyway, much like an access point. But a lot of our focus on putting wireless in a, in a place, in a building, has kind of been focused on user needs. So, Rob, you are very familiar with large public venue uh, networking, and you, know, you guys have probably a huge wireless installation to support the people who um, come to your venue. But you also have a lot of hardwired equipment there, things that has to connect back to the network. Is there any thought process in there of saying, you know what, we can just chunk all that stuff and uh, put a wireless card or a JetDirect card on it, and off we go? I would say <clears throat> it would be possible in many scenarios. I, I don't think you're ever going to replace physical cabling for your backhaul for your data center. Campus mm -hmm. networking is a different story, and I think... We see more and more greenfield offices being built that are making attempts at going fully Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. not running copper to the desktop, um, and just deploying access points in a high-density high model that just provides enough coverage for anybody to, to use Wi-Fi. And it being a shared medium, there is enough coverage that in an office space or an open cubicle concept, everybody has enough bandwidth. You're not packing people tightly into those spaces in an, in, a, in an office campus environment. So I think with the technology and the protocols and Wi-Fi advancing as they have, especially with 802.11ac and MIMO, whatever you want to call that, <laughs> multi-user MIMO, which then sort of got rid of that half-duplex wireless communication, mm -hmm. um, it will continue to evolve with 802.11ax and, and future technologies to allow more users to talk to more access points simultaneously and provide additional throughput to make it less of a finite resource. Right, and in this case, you know, you're you're talking about at the time of this recording some future wireless standards like 802.11ax, and 5G is even defined as being further out than that with a lot of extra spectrum and a lot of really fast throughput. I mean, some of the specs that we've seen for AT&T's 5G network will blow your socks off. Provided that you have the right equipment to access that, and at the at least in late 2018, there's no horizon for when that's going to be out. Um, AT&T is claiming they're going to deploy 5G in my neighborhood. I don't know of a, of a handset that can use it right now. So um, some of this is kind of blue sky, but I kind of see where you say that without super high density in an office building, you're not necessarily worried about that. But I'm sure that Ryan's wheels are turning here because one of the things that you have to worry about, especially in a multi-tenant office building, is what happens when everybody installs their own access points on every floor and they're blasting you know, signal everywhere. You've created a bigger problem because you're letting everybody do their own wireless. Is this something that can really only be supportable if maybe the wireless infrastructure in the building is owned by the building people and they lease you capacity on their access points? Well, that goes, that goes back to having a client on your network. Um, you know, there are all wireless offices and they mm -hmm. work just fine uh, under today's technology. But offloading the troubleshooting, offloading the, the, the data path, the security, everything to a, a third party and bringing it back through a cellular network, you know, back in through your firewalls into the data center. Um, not every company is going to be ready for that. Not every company is going to want to do that. Um, I, I know there are plenty of devices on my network that are wireless that Due to regulations, we cannot put on a third-party network. 
All right, that's a good point, Ryan. Uh, but maybe we need to take a step back here and kind of think about this because when we talk about 5G, other than just being a marketing term, there's a lot to that. So 5G itself is not just Wi-Fi. It's actually a standard of implementation above LTE, what we would consider 4G networks right now. So it's just a high bandwidth backhaul for things like mobile devices and stuff like that. And kind of to Rob's point where he's talking about advancing wireless standards, there's nothing that says that we can't take what we know today as Wi-Fi, which is defined by the Wi-Fi Alliance, and kind of make it collide with 5G and provide one unified system. I mean, a lot of people are on their cell phones now anyway, and uh, the software that runs those kind of has to be intelligent enough to know when the Wi-Fi is better than the cellular, use it. But if you detect performance degradation on the Wi-Fi, flip back over to your, um, you know, your 4G LTE uplink. Well, if the 5G is always better than the Wi-Fi, it's probably always going to be on the 5G. Now, let's, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about here is you know, we talk a lot about what happens whenever you have a lot of guest devices in your network and what happens when all of your users are mobile. And that's great if you work in a big public venue, but what happens when you work in somewhere that has a little bit more regulation? Now, Kevin, you have a little few yep. thoughts on this, too, because you work in a very heavily regulated environment. Could yep. you ever see one of your locations going 100% wireless? No, I mean, that absolutely not from what I know on a day-to-day basis. So you brought up the good point. Sometimes your data has to stay internal to you, and it mm-hmm. can't go on an outside network. I just shake my head at the idea. I know it's it's crazy, and uh, you know I know we're moving along as an industry. But the idea of having healthcare data going on a cellular network, mm-hmm. and then having to trust it coming in through my firewall into my network, is you know uh, it's a big idea over what we do right now, mm-hmm. and it's definitely one to think about because I know the regulation that we deal with right now with all of that data behind the firewall. I couldn't imagine what it's going to turn into if it's coming from the outside. Right, and, and that's just healthcare, for example. You yeah. have to think about things like PCI DSS, yeah. um, any other kind of financial regulations. Um, could you imagine if we tried to make a military base 100% wireless, the, the nightmare of just the top-secret clearance compartmentalization? I mean, they still write things on paper. How 18th century is that? Well, it turns out paper is really easy to secure. You lock it in a filing cabinet, you don't have to worry about it. But, you know, when it comes to wireless, I mean, we've seen this over and over again, even with LTE, spectrum leaks. So if you're, if you're adept enough and you're sniffing for traffic, I mean, who knows what you could come up with. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of infrastructure devices that we have to worry about, too. Think about phones, for example. Um, IP phones. Well, if I can sniff their traffic and I can get enough packets, I can reassemble a conversation, especially if they don't encrypt that traffic as it goes over the wire, or in this case, over the air, where everybody can hear it. Regulatory bodies are going to have a field day with that. We do trust our phones, though. People today over existing LTE networks do banking, you know, exchange personal information. They store a lot of personal data on those devices and have no problems using them on open LTE networks. But I think that part of the problem is is that the LTE network itself is not inherently secure. We've built authentication and trust mechanisms on top of the LTE network, things like SSL or Within TLS. Within the applications, right? Yeah, but it's the applications that we trust as secure. I mean, we've, we've already seen some um, instances where people are able to reverse engineer encryption keys or there be, there's a collision attack that allows them to be able to do that. I mean, look at Heartbleed. Heartbleed was a bug in OpenSSL. Do you know how many things use OpenSSL? <laughs> I'll give you a hint, all of them. 
And so now there's a potential vulnerability in that. And it's not transport dependent. I mean, SSL everywhere was vulnerable. But like you said, I mean, if I lost my phone today, I would probably be in panic mode because I do everything on it. It's my boarding pass and my Starbucks card and my bank account and my credit card in most cases. So we are dependent upon 5G. And does that mean that down the road, if something else decides to replace it or if there's a huge bug that causes it to wipe out, is there a possibility of us even moving away from it? So, I I mean, I think the conversation uh, about 5G having massive impact on the enterprise, um, large public venues, things like that, is uh, maybe even a little premature, uh, if not unnecessary, because there's, there, there's two things that 5G is supposed to bring. Enhanced mobile broadband, so super fast speeds to your phone. Right. That's consumer-focused. And then ultra-reliable, low-latency connections for fixed broadband. So rural um, farmers will be able to get 100 megabit, if not more. Um, You'll be able to have an option for your ISP. There'll be a lot of stuff. I think that 5G is going to enhance the consumer market a lot more. But in the enterprise, are you going to share your File shares? How are your, how are your users going to discover file shares or printers so over the cell? I see. <clears throat> I see the major change with five G in the consumer space being the public space Wi-Fi that we see today. Um, what you get in Starbucks, what you get on the street from certain uh, ISPs or broadband carriers, what I provide in a large public sports venue. Mm-hmm. Um, for public Wi-Fi will go away. We, as an example, in our facility have a cellular DAS, a distributed antenna system that the carriers bring in to provide cellular coverage, A, for public safety, B, for people to be able to use their phones within the building because they're giant hollow concrete bunkers. The signal doesn't penetrate from the outside very well. So they put these antenna systems in the building so fire, rescue, ambulance, police can use their cellular phones as well as the public. With 5G, I can remove our public Wi-Fi from the building and assume everybody can just use 5G if it's going to be better than what we provide today with 802.11ac. So you're saying that 5G would allow you to basically remove your wireless connectivity for the office and you don't have to worry about anything anymore. I think in public spaces for the consumer, um, not necessarily for the enterprise, to Ryan's point. Yeah, and I could I could actually see a little bit of Brian's point here where we're talking more about things like security. So if everybody's on the external network, from my perspective, and you've ripped out all the public-facing Wi-Fi, I mean, you're secure because nobody can get to anything. But how do you allow people to get in at that point? Do you make them VPN back to the network every time they want to access something? And with, with the capability of, you know, say even on the high end, 10 gigabit per second from a mobile device... Um, my firewalls can't handle that. So what is that speed going to help for the enterprise? Mm. You know, you go somewhere right now, if you want, you know, many, many gigs of throughput into your data center right now from the outside, you're looking at massive fees from the carriers for a bunch of unnecessary stuff. It's a web page. Yeah, that's why the carriers have all adopted 5G is because they're looking at all that sweet, sweet bandwidth revenue coming down the pipe. Yeah. But, of course, to them, I mean, you're looking at things that where if it's already on their network anyway, so it's things like media and entertainment, they're not paying for it. Those are just bits traveling back and forth between their, their pops and things like that. And so 
I mean, they can effectively charge you whatever they want for a plan, and they're going to make a boatload of money for it. But to, to actually come back to one point that you had to say, and this is kind of something that's interesting, you talk about the fact that a lot of the advantage for 5G right now, today as we see it, is the consumer side of things. And how big of an impact could that really have on the enterprise? And I would counter that the two things that are currently down here on the table from the Apple company were consumer-focused objects. They still are consumer-focused objects until someone brings one into the enterprise and says, make my mail work on this. Or I want to use this thing to do presentations. So that won't change. We still can do mobile device management. We can still go to our cloud mail provider. We can still do all of that. And if they need something on the internal network, mm-hmm. we're going to tell them to turn on the Wi-Fi. True. Um, are, like I said, are we going to really figure out a way to expose file shares and printers out over the public Internet or make them VPN in manually, or are we going to rely on the Wi-Fi infrastructure for them to connect? So let me toss one more little monkey wrench in this. What happens when all the data is on the public Internet anyway? Because we all love the cloud, right? What if everything's stored in AWS anyway, and they're not trying to come back into my network? What if all of my traffic is already going outbound? Well, then the case is there. They, and that is probably going to be a corner case for most companies. You think the cloud is a corner case? <coughs> no. 100% cloud-driven with no infrastructure. Okay. There's, there are enterprise technologies today that allow users to take their devices home and work as though they're in the office that mm-hmm. don't require VPN in the traditional sense. It's not dial-up VPN. Um, Microsoft's direct access product. It's, it's a domain join machine, and you're on your home network or on a cellular network for that matter. You have file shares. You have remote desktop capability. It's there all the time automatically. They're, I believe they're deprecating that product uh, f- in favor of a new product they're using that's just a always-on persistent corporate VPN. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we're going to be having access to file shares, printers, remote desktop, over cellular networks, whether we want to or not in the enterprise. I mean, assuming you've vetted those technologies and turned those buttons on in your enterprise. They're there. People are going to use them. Remote workers are going to be using all sorts of third-party networks to connect back to the enterprise regardless. Now, Kevin, do you ever see a time whenever anything in your organization is all going to be in the cloud? I mean, it goes back to our same point about security Mm -hmm. and the fact that everything's so regulated, you have to have ultimate control over everything. Uh, when you have an auditor come in, they they need to know that you have the lock and key on every little piece of data that you're handling. Yeah. And that's the big problem. And to the other point of 5G, you mentioned earlier, the big point I always hear thrown around is people who don't have fast internet available to them now will now be able to have you know broadband speeds or faster than what we see today. And the rural areas are the big thing that I do have experience with. The fact that trying to get even a coax connection, a basic coax connection, is tough for a lot of these places. And what I also notice, though, which is the problem that I see right off the bat, is when I'm going there, I don't have cell phone signal. Even 3G, make a basic call, I'm not talking about data trying to download anything. 5G comes along and you're in a metro area, great, that's fine. I mean, you're going to have the access, you're going to have high speed, have no problem at all. But, I mean, the, the fact is, what happens when you extend that border and you're a little bit further out? Maybe you can connect, but you're not getting full 5G capabilities, and 
then it's like, okay, well, if I wanted to go fully to the cloud, what about my sites that aren't going to be able to access it as fast? And, you know, it's, and I just see the little, and I mean, yeah, they are smaller problems. You have smaller locations. Um, you know, most of your larger enterprise is all going to be in an area with those resources available. Absolutely, but. All right, so I think it's about time for us to wrap up. So we're going to go back to the premise. 5G networking will replace office networking. Rob, it will it? Maybe. Maybe. That sounds an awful lot like it depends. It does depend. Oh, well. I think in some scenarios it can. In others, with overly regulated or heavily regulated environments, it won't be able to. Ryan. Yeah, I think it depends. It's, it's going to be highly contingent on the individual enterprise to decide that. It's going to affect the consumer market a lot more. Kevin? Absolutely on uh, his point. It's the individual enterprise. Somebody will have the capability and the, just the general ability to be able to do it, but I don't think everybody will by any means. Oh, that's, that's a good point. I, I love how in IT we always manage to come back to it depends somehow. I mean, really, it really does depend because everybody's workload is different. Everybody's bandwidth consumption is different. And when you come right down to it, everybody's needs are different. Uh, yeah, I can work remotely from a coffee shop every time I turn around. And my phone has been a very useful hotspot for me. But there are still times when I want to be on the wireless because I kind of want it to be somebody else's problem. I don't necessarily know that 5G is going to fix that. But I also know that 5G with all that extra bandwidth is going to be able to change the conversation a little bit and help us understand a little bit better how to best utilize that functionality. Well, that's just going to about wrap it up for this episode of the Gestalt IT On-Premise IT Roundtable. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to check out more episodes of this podcast, you can head over to our website, gestaltit.com slash podcast. The most current episode will always be listed there, and you can look through our backlog. If you are a person who prefers to consume your podcasts on mobile, perhaps over 5G, please make sure to use your favorite podcast application of choice. You can subscribe to our feeds. You can also check us out on iTunes. And if you happen to be in iTunes, why don't you go ahead and leave us a review because those reviews are how people are able to find us and consume this great content that you're listening to right now. So for all of our guests today, for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, and for the rest of the people at GestaltIT.com, I bid you a fond adieu, and thank you for listening. 